Hello there, Alaskans, wherever you are. Welcome to the Must Read Alaska Show, coming to you from somewhere in Alaska. This is the place where we talk about, you guessed it, Alaska, where we keep the mainstream media on their toes and where we are standing up for what's right and a world run by leftists. You can find out more by heading over to mustreadalaska.com and also checking out the Must Read Alaska YouTube channel for some really great content. But first, let's get this party started. Thank you, Scott. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome aboard Must Read Alaska, coming to you from somewhere in Alaska. Happy New Year, everybody. We have a great show for you today. And before we get started, if you like this podcast, if you love freedom, and if you believe in the Constitution, then why not give us a five-star review? And if you have time, give a, give a comment in the comment section, too. We really do want to hear from you, and we get feedback. It just makes us better. We can take it. So, you really, really like Must Read Alaska, hit the donate button at the mustreadalaska.com website because we are reader-driven and listener-driven conservative news project about Alaska for Alaskans, and we're keeping the mainstream media on their toes every single day. I'm Suzanne Downing, and you know my co-host, John Quick. He's on the other mic in McKiskey. He kept, keeps us current on all things Kenai. Scott Levesque is our producer in Anchorage, and you can hear Scott on Wednesdays on the Wednesday edition of the Must Read Alaska show, which he's hosting and doing a fabulous job of. Great show last week, Scott, covering the big stories of the year. Now, we've got a lot going on in Alaska. It's minus nine degrees in Fairbanks and 37 with wet snow and rain in Juneau. And John, it looks like it's perfect weather on the Kenai, about 21 degrees. What is going on on the Kenai Peninsula? Hey, Suzanne, John here. The Kenai Peninsula could soon see kids go back into school. That is the big no. to-do on the peninsula. And the, the, uh, the school board superintendent, John O'Brien, may have kids start again on this coming Monday. So I think that's the 11th or 12th. You heard it first here, dyslexic, people. So. But, it's going back but, to school. but here's the thing is the parents are very skeptical because they... Uh, they've seen schools on the peninsula open, close, mask, no mask, open for half a day, only open for kindergartners, only open for preschoolers. And so the majority of my friends, the majority of folks that have felt dis disenfranchised by this school board, uh, this school board superintendent, they're not putting their kids back in school. The parents that have kind of shifted their schedules to be homeschooled. They would draw their kids. They're not going to put their faith back into a superintendent that's done 17 different smart plan programs in the last seven months uh, to just have their kids be in school for another couple of weeks. So well, how many people are we talking about who just basically dropped out of the school district uh, for in school and just gone to homeschooling? Uh, it's a it's the most significant drop in count. You know, they count the kids every October uh, for uh, how much money they're going to get from the feds and the borough and the state and all this kind of stuff. And we've had the biggest significant drop, you know, this season than any other uh, recorded uh, year from when they started counting. I think we dropped 17% uh, total in kids attending any, you know, any school in the Kenai Peninsula Borough public school. And I think we'll see those numbers continue to go down. And I also think that we're going to see a big push on the, in the Kenai Peninsula Borough. And if you live in a conservative district like Palmer, Wasilla, or Fairbanks, take a look at what the Kenai Borough is going to do come May and June. They are going to, mark my words, 
in a sense, defund public schools for the amount of nonsense that has happened. The Kenai Peninsula Borough only has to fund schools to the tune of $30 million. They give the schools $52 million every year. They give, you know, $20 million over the over what they're uh, mandated to do by borough code. And I bet you will see them go back to that original formula. They're only supposed to, they're only required by law to give them 30 million bucks. And there will be a huge case made to stick to that formula as opposed to giving them $20 million more with a bunch of schools that are closed. Hey, are you giving me a news tip there? Because that sounds like news to me. So you're telling me that at some point with this lower enrollment, they're going to see lower uh, tax receipts. I mean, obviously, obviously that the, the borough is not going to have as much money. So anyway, right, the borough is going to take a hit just economically. You didn't do that badly over the summer because Alaskans still came down to the Kenai. In fact, Alaskans like coming down to the Kenai when there's not a lot of tourists from out of, uh, um, from out of uh, state. But um, are you saying that, uh, that there may be a budget cut coming for the, the Kenai School District? I think the rumblings are that there will be attempted budget cut. Um, just in the folks that I've chat, chatted with that are kind of in the know, whether it be uh, you know, folks that show up to assembly meetings or show up to school board meetings or whatever, what have you, there will be, I think, an attempt to course correct the current situation, which is give the, give the school just a big pile of money, $52 million, and not have any accountability, any metrics, any, or even be open for that matter, and just expect to get $52 million every single year. It's not going to happen, especially when they go tell, uh, all the conservatives on the Kenai Peninsula Bureau to go pound sand. And the superintendent said, quote unquote, on the radio, I'm not gonna listen to parents that are picketing on the side of the streets. Well, guess yeah. what? We ain't gonna listen to you and you sit and beg <laughs> and grovel for $52 million. We're gonna show up and we're gonna keep you accountable to the horrible leadership and the horrible policies that you've implemented and you put parents through the ringer. And I don't care if it's your last year, uh, there will be consequences for horrible actions in the form of defunding. Spoken like a true parent uh, um, there on the Kenai. Well, um, okay, tell us how you really feel about that. Um, <laughs> hey, let's talk about some of the other big stories coming on um, up from around the state and the nation. That's what our uh, listeners are here for. And again, we appreciate everybody who's tuned in. It's a huge week here in Alaska and across the nation. I don't know if you watched during uh, Sunday when it was the 117th Congress actually gaveled in um, the clerk of the con of the House there. They conducted a, a an election for their speaker and Nancy Pelosi was made speaker again. And that's not good news for Alaska. And it was interesting that she had five defectors, uh, John, five Democrats just sort of voted with their feet, but she still was able to win by um, by eight votes. So it, it was the, the lowest um, a number of votes for a speaker in, um, in many, many years. There's only been two others who've had such low numbers. That was John Boehner and uh, Newt Gingrich at different times of when they ran for speaker. And um, that she's ha so she's not coming in with a mandate. And that's, I find that really interesting, but it was fascinating to me to watch um, AOC, the squad uh, leader, come in at the end and with her squad members and kind of vote out of turn, but sort of vote at the end to to let Nancy Pelosi know who was really in charge. And um, 
So it, it was made from fascinating drama yesterday. And I, I don't know if you saw the clip that we put up. I guess you did see the clip we put up on our YouTube channel where Don Young was swearing in the speaker. Why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about what that was, uh, was like? Yeah, I think, you, you know, unfortunately, Nancy Pelosi is not woke enough for the woke crowd. And, no. you know, everybody will be canceled eventually if you try to play the woke game, because eventually you are going to be using words or pronouns or telling a story or whatever that's going to insult somebody and you're going to end up on the front page of the news as the worst person ever and that's what we see here the day that nancy pelosi is not liberal enough for these certain folks is ridiculous because um it's uh <laughs> you know they're going to be eaten by their own folks which you know have fun with that we'll make them lay in their own bed with that but uh oh yeah Don Young, absolutely Don Young did uh swear in nancy nancy pelosi and for folks that are giving don young a bunch of crap for this this is a role that the dean of the house does this is not something that don young is like you know really wanting to swear in nancy pelosi and can't wait and you know is, you no, know counting no. down the days till he gets to do this this is something that comes with the the responsibilities of the dean of the house and i love the way he did it he says uh you know this is not quote verbatim but he basically said if we have a disagreement let's go have a drink and talk about it yeah. as opposed to putting it on the front page of every you know major media in the country and i think that that's some of the things that people really like about congressman don young is that he brings back a sense of old schoolness that i think is missing in today's day and age where people just they could agree to disagree and they could talk about things and work them out as opposed to uh, disagreeing with somebody and cancel culture, culturing them like we see every day here in America. Well, yeah, you know, Don Young did take a moment to say, uh, let's work in the spirit of bipartisanship. My question is, did he miss an opportunity for to have some really soaring rhetoric right then? I mean, he could have really I feel like he could have done uh, a little bit more with the time he had swearing in Nancy Pelosi, sort of calling people to a little bit higher purpose. But he um, he did he did his Don Young best, and he he called on everybody to kind of work together, hold hands, and talk to each other. And I noticed that around the House chambers, all of the Democrats stood and clapped for him, and the Republicans sat on their side and they just kind of sat there. So uh, the way the media reported it was that he received a standing ovation from the House. Well, no, I rewound the tape. It wasn't the whole House. It was the Democrats. They want the Republicans to work in the spirit of bipartisanship, which means they want them to do it the Democrats' way. Speaking of which, they passed a whole new set of rules. Oh, and gosh. so the U.S. House has, has, under Nancy Pelosi, their first order of business was to, after they swore themselves in, took the oath of uh, office and promised to defend the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. They then passed their set of rules, and, and their set of rules is absolutely mystifying. They uh, have said that you may not use uh, words mother or father, no founding fathers anymore. You, the federal government can't refer to the founding fathers. You can't refer to fathers, mothers, or sisters, brothers, stepsisters, um, stepbrothers, fathers-in-law, uncles, aunts, first cousins, nephew is, is not used anymore, niece is not used, husband and wife can't be used in federal law. And so basically anything that indicates a gender is, is canceled, including 
you can't refer to a sailor as a seaman. You have to use the word seafarer. And a chairman can't be a chairman. He has to be a chair. And in fact, I noticed that the office of ombudsman is now going to be the office of the ombuds because like there are buds or something, but they're not budsmen. So they've really gone off the deep end with this. But then you kind of look, you pull things back a little bit and look at what Nancy Pelosi has on her Twitter feed. And did you see what she has on her Twitter feed? I did. And it is amazing. Yes. She calls herself grandma. Yeah, it's. You know, these people, they are ridiculous and ludicrous. The average average person that lives in Alaska, and I think a lot of the average Democrats, I have family members that are Democrats, blue dog kind of Democrats, they're going to think this is the most dumbest, stupidest thing in the freaking world. I mean, just think of the, if they're going to be able to do this, just think of the craziness that they're going to be trying to do. What they do is, they owe all these woke groups, all these woke people, all these, you know, nonprofits that stuck by them and these special interest groups that were rallying and destroying America before the elections. They owe all these people all these things. And so we will continue to see over the next six to nine months that uh, they're going to have to fulfill some of these promises, this being one of them. This is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard or seen in my life. The fact that you can't say founding fathers or talk about a father or talk about a grandmother show respect to your own mother or father on the senate floor the house floor wherever the heck they're going to ban this thing this is anti-american so when she swore in that she would protect us from foreign and domestic people well somebody needs to step up and say we we actually need protected from you because your policies are ludicrous they're anti-american they're socialist they're everything that america does not want to stand for and we're going to protect you from yourself and we're going to put you in a corner for a while, but nobody will do that because God forbid we have any freaking common sense in America these days. Freaking is the word of the day. And, you know, really when it comes down to it, this was, you, you know, that this was um, a negotiated down. In other words, it was probably a lot worse than this before they introduced it as the final draft for the rules. But now that what was hilarious about it is that then you had represent, uh, Representative Emanuel Cleaver and he conducted the opening prayer for the 117th Congress. And at the end of it, he said, amen and all women. And it's like taking it to um, Saturday Night Live level when you do that because he's He's acting like the word amen has to do with man. It has nothing to do with man. It's a, um, it's a Greek and Hebrew word that means truly or it is so. And that's what it says. Make it so. It is so. And um, instead, he's making it into a gender and saying he's, he's going to conclude his prayers with amen and all women, which is so embarrassing that these people are even in Congress and they just don't even know any better. I don't know what to, I don't know what to make of it. Yeah, it's just, this is going to be, you're going to be witnessing in 2021, wokeness on a whole new level. Oh, yeah. It is going to be wokeness on steroids while doing a line of cocaine, while hopped up on a freaking sugary apple pie. And they're going to be going freaking nuts with their wokeness. And you're going to be sitting back reading stories from Must Read Alaska. And I saw it today when we talked about the founding fathers on Must Read Alaska's channels today. People freaking lost their minds 
triggers were flying left and right. This can't be true. This is crazy. You're making up stuff. You're lying. You're this. You're that. Blah 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 blah. Well, it happened. Even the Democrats and can't even believe it. They, you know, they literally like, yep. are losing their minds. <laughs> Democrats on these chan on these feeds, whether it be Facebook or whatever, they lost their freaking minds today on Facebook, thinking that you're just making up stuff and you're lying about things. Yeah. It's true, people. And it's going to get a whole lot worse. <laughs> so, hey, you know, there's also some other rules that they've got today that they passed that we did not write about um, so much on the blog at mustreadalaska.com. But I just want to explain if there's this one section of rules that is going to absolutely lead to a lot more spending. Now, it's a rule that grants exemptions, big exemptions from any kind of spending controls for legislation. Now, what happens is if there's legislation that's related to the COVID pandemic or climate change, then the House Budget Chairman Democrat, um, John Yarmouth from Kentucky, he has a, a authority to actually adjust the cost estimates for bills. Oh, uh, so basically, he can he can increase any bill that has to do with COVID or climate change. And well, the thing about it is, you know that the Democrats like AOC and the squad, they could make any bill about COVID or climate change and, and that's what they were, are going to do. So this new, this new rule that they're passing, um, they passed today has so much wiggle room for overspending. Um, it's just fascinating that I, I, you know, you thought that we had some grownups in the room because the Democrats won by a very small mi minority this time. They have a very slim majority in the House, and yet they seem to be going the other way. They seem to be getting a little bit more radical. You know, I, I kind of thought maybe Speaker Pelosi would have gotten the message and just gotten to be more moderate, but it's just not working. And then, you know, you had Don Young saying nice things about Nancy, but I'm sorry, Nancy's not nice. And she's not going to be listening to Don when he asks her to be bipartisan. She has the gavel. And this is a situation where winner takes all. And that's, that's what we're up against. And all of this kind of hangs on what's going to happen in Georgia tomorrow. Um, and tomorrow, of course, is Georgia's two runoff elections. And that's for the Senate. And so obviously the Democrat, Democrats have the House, Democrats have the presidency at this point, from what we can tell. And if we, if the Republicans lose the Senate tomorrow in, in um, Georgia, we'll be in a little bit of a world of hurt. So that's, that's kind of what I'm looking at. Yeah, I think, uh, unfortunately, you know, I look at this election I, and I think that uh, people, again, this is just my opinion and I'm a bit of a conspiracy theorist, but I bet I think that people are going to be excited, not us people, people that are established in government, senators, House people that have been there for generations are looking forward to Joe Biden because it's back to status quo. When, yep. when Donald Trump ran for president, almost every Republican across the board when he was first running came out against him because they thought, oh, crap. This guy is not a politician and he's about to stir things up. He doesn't need to make any money. He's going to go nuts in here. And so, you know, I, I just think that the average politician that's been there forever, doesn't matter if they're Democrat or Republican, you know, they might be vocally saying that they want Trump to win, but they're going to have to do a lot less work if Biden wins because it's back to status quo, 40 year senator just doing a bunch of stuff nobody cares about and swindling America out from being the best country on God's green earth. 
with Trump, people actually had to show up and go to work. God forbid. Yeah. Well, and, and that, that is actually an interesting point. Uh, there were a lot of Republicans in Congress who were a little bit nervous about Trump because you're right. He was uh, the, the multimillionaire, possibly billionaire. We haven't seen his tax returns, but he didn't he didn't need the job. He just really wanted it because he just saw things were so messed up in Washington and the swamp is really the swamp there. So now we're back to kind of swamp as usual. So we're just kind of uh, we're, we're going to go through some rough times. If we don't keep the Senate, um, we could very well see some rough times for Alaska. As a matter of fact, I very much expect when Biden gets sworn in on uh, later this month, he, he's probably going to unwind some some of the things that we have gained in Alaska, such as Anwar. I mean, he may be able to put a stop to our leases and just rewind them. He may be able to put the NPRA back into its, you know, its container. And that would be so bad for our state because we, you know, we are a resource state. And right now the environmentalists have prevented us from having you know, coal, mining, forestry. And so all we really have left is, well, we can be a tourist attraction. We can just yep. be a, you know, a pretty place where people down South can come in and look at, but you know, we'll be, we'll be a little, little Appalachia if, if uh, Biden has his way. So what else caught you in, uh, caught your eye in today's newsletter? What were you looking at? So I think a big topic over the last couple of days has um, been a video that surfaced back from of, in February of Dr. Uh, Zink, where she, I think it was February 12th, she was in front of the Health and Human Services Committee um, in front of Senator Wilson, I think is the chair uh, back then. I don't know if he still is, but. Uh, yeah, that well, he is under, under until, until they reorganize, until the, uh, you know, and, yeah. And she's talking about the COVID, you know, COVID had, Kind of just been coming out in terms of getting information and and Dunleavy maybe had had started to put some things down the pipeline and and Senator Wilson had seen some people at the airport with masks and walking around town with masks and and so Senator Wilson asked Dr. Zink a very blunt question about should people be wearing masks and it's 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 interesting to me because Dr. Zink and all these other doctors and doctors before them and doctors before them have 100 years of research on what does it look like to wear a mask in a potential situation where there's an airborne virus or a normal virus or a bacteria. And they've had, you know, hundreds of years of research on the effects of this. And all that had no political, when she answered this question, to me, it was, it was not filtered through a political lens because we hadn't really been crazy about masks at this point. It was February. And so she says, when asked about should somebody wear a mask around the airport or somebody that's not sick, she says a mask is a wet, moist environment that's collecting viruses and bacteria. It is not useful to protect you from other people. And no more mm -hmm. than a couple months later, all of a sudden, all these hundreds of years of research on what does a mask do in an airborne virus or bacteria or 20 other things that why you'd, why you'd wear a mask, all that switched. You know, somehow somebody got some information between that and two months later, and now everybody's got to wear a mask. And I don't think science in general changed in the matter of two months. All science did not change in two months. Something got political. There's some other reason. Right, and yeah. uh, this is all for people to see. It's public information. It's on the alaska.gov website. And this is not a shot at Dr. Zink, personal shot or anything other than what changed. I would love mm -hmm. to know what changed. Well, there you, there you have. That's the question of the hour, which is 
we, you know, is, is wearing a mask all day, still wearing a moist environment where you're breeding bacteria and viruses and breathing them into your lungs. And is, is that an unhealthy thing for most people to be doing? Because we know that doctors and nurses and other medical people, when they wear masks, they change them throughout the day. And yet what we see is we see workers such as airline workers. I see a lot of them and they're wearing the same mask day after day after day. It makes you, you know, wonder whether or not that, and, and Zinc was right when she said, it is not a healthy thing to wear a, a mask for people to be wearing one day after day because we're not wearing them in the way that medical people wear them. So that's kind of fascinating. It's just interesting to see how quickly masks got politicized and are still being politicized today. Yeah, what I mean, else? I would, my, the, the thing I would encourage uh, folks in the state of Alaska that are elected officials, I know that the legislation council or whatever the people that come up with the rules are called they have some specific committee they came up with the rules yeah right they came up with the rules that said if you're going to be in the chamber you got to wear a mask and if you're not going to wear a mask you're going to be escorted out by the sergeant of arms and that's the kind of stuff where you're literally going to you know quasi arrest somebody if uh, you know my representative representative ben carper is not wearing a mask inside the chambers where did we go from Dr. Zink saying, don't wear a mask, it's a cesspool of bacteria, to you're going to get a freaking arrested if you don't wear a mask in the chamber and your representative. Something happened which, there. Speaking of which, when they get to Juneau, they are going to, um, they're going to go into the chambers and there's going to be a plexiglass little bubble around each one of them. That, so there's a screen, plexiglass screen against uh, around each one of them. And then the gallery where people usually sit, there's going to be a huge wall there and it's plexiglass or Lexar. It's, it's some sort of a big plastic panel. And so the, the public is going to now be behind a glass panel or plexiglass pa- panel. And this is going to be really interesting for the visuals on the camera of, um, for Gavel Alaska when they when you're watching the legislature, you will see people who are sitting in the back of the um, of the chamber. Let's see whoever's sitting in the in the assigned to a seat in the far back. You'll be looking at them through about 15 panels of plexiglass from all different angles because they'll all be on a curve. And um, you won't be able to see people in the chambers anymore. There'll be so many reflective, it'll be like looking at it through a prism. It's going to be really awkward for the visuals, for people trying to watch what's going on. And then my feeling about it is once those barriers go up, they will never come down. So the barrier between the legislature itself and the legislators themselves and the public sitting in the gallery once you put those plastic barriers up, they're never coming down. That's it. Yep. And, so. you know, once they start making bad decisions, they just seem to never stop making bad decisions. You wonder when people will be able to not be wearing masks. For instance, we do know that there are at least eight members of the legislature, so legislators, and, and these are all Republicans that I know of, who have had COVID. I don't know if the Democrats have had COVID or not. I haven't heard. I think they're a little bit more... Um, shame based about it. The Republicans don't care. They just say, yeah, I had it. I'm had it done with <laughs> I had it. it right, I have it right now. It's awesome. <laughs> Maybe not that. And but but uh, we're not hearing from the Democrats who had it. But we know that there are eight who have had it. And um they they should be able to walk into that Capitol building and just go about their business. But that's not the way it's going to be. And you wonder how long it will be before things go back to normal or if they ever will. What else are you looking at that's um so 
there's another, I think that there's an opportunity um, for our Lieutenant Governor to at least show that he's looking into some of this election stuff. There was a letter that you had wrote about that some Republicans had issued about our, you know, the state of affairs and the integrity of our elections. And I think that even at the local level for the state level, I really think that the average conservative that I run into, uh, you know, at Walmart or at the hardware store or whatever, has zero to little faith in our election system. One, because uh, huge amounts of data got stolen from our election system. And two, because you have all these third party things that are happening in the background, Dominion servers and all these other things that nobody really has any proof of, but you hear the rumblings on uh, you know, social media. And I think there's an opportunity for uh, the lieutenant governor to do something about this. I think if he does nothing about this election, this potential election fraud, quote unquote, data that was stolen that is not refuted, it is a fact that da voter data was stolen, social security numbers, driver's license numbers, stuff that you could use to register to vote. If something isn't proactively done about this, it's not going to be good for this administration uh, because the average person will lose faith in this administration's ability to get stuff done when it comes to things that they have a sniff test of fraud for. Yeah. And it's just I, doing nothing is going to be doing a disservice to the state. And it's just a cop out. So I hope he does. Well, something. you see that at the national level, you surely see that people, uh, especially Republicans, believe that there was voter fraud or, or election fraud. It wasn't necessarily voter fraud, but election fraud conducted by somebody. And they look at those, um, they, they look at what happened with Trump and they see Trump campaigned hard. He worked it hard, but um, huge crowds everywhere he went. Biden stayed in his basement, said he didn't really need to campaign, and then magically got more votes than any candidate in the history of the United States. Um, <laughs> a lot of people kind of have some doubts about that. Between 65 and 80% of Republicans, depending on which poll you look at, believed that the election was stolen. And in the local level, I do think that, um, uh, that Republicans are really concerned about ballot harvesting and uh, in our state and would like to see a, a, a little stronger effort made to you know, explain what happened, take a look at it, put, in, put together a commission or something, um, especially because ballot measure two uh, was able to pass due to, I think the efforts of such heavy ballot harvesting and then no voter, verif no voter ID needed for all the, um, the mail-in ballots. That was, that was a very big deal. What else are you looking at uh, before we go? We have time well, for maybe one more story. Maybe one more story. Well, I think that, uh, you know, I think that uh, the Felix Rivera, Rivera chairman of the uh, Anchorage Assembly, that's a big story right now because he, I think as of, you know, two, 20 minutes ago or whatever, they have enough signatures gathered to submit the recall. Now, what yep. I think is going to happen is, unfortunately, what's happened before, they're going to submit the recall to the clerk's office. And the clerk's office has been politicized and they're basically the political arm of the, uh, the assembly now, yep. and they can do whatever they want. And so they're going to look at this and be like, oh, this, this eye has a left swinging dot on it. And this person has a left a right swinging dot on it. So we're not going to count that signature. And mark my words, 
it's going to be thrown out for some stupid reason, frivolous reason. And all these people just collected what five thousand signatures or something, you know? Yeah, they only need twenty seven hundred. I think they, they'll probably have enough, even if they get a few thrown out. But hey, you know, let's 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 have a bet on that. I'll, I'll bet you a bowl of quinoa that that she'll have to accept that. But I think that what'll happen is that uh, Felix Rivera is going to take this to court, and we have a pretty liberal court, and where the courts have certainly allowed the recall against uh, Dunleavy to go forward, I think the courts will find reason to stop the uh, recall of Felix Rivera. And they would like to see that, uh, you know, I'd really like to see um, this recall go to the ballot in April because I think that we need to send a message to our uh, assembly here in Anchorage that pretty much had enough, we're not gonna take it anymore. Um, they did a great job collecting signatures yesterday at the uh, Golden Lion Hotel there on 36 and New Seward Highway. They had like 300 cars drive through and, and sign. And then today they were at Kreiner's Diner, another real hot location. And people were able to go and sign the recall petition and grab a bite to eat. And then I believe they're turning those signatures into the clerk tonight. And so that'll be really interesting. And um, we'll, we'll get a report up on Must Read Alaska tomorrow, which will be Tuesday. And so for, you know, for readers, just check back tomorrow because we're gonna have a lot more news about um, that plus things going on in Washington, D.C. with, um, with uh, the, uh, the president. Um, obviously, Georgia is such a huge issue tomorrow. We'll be reporting on that as well. And John, before we go, we need to remind some our listeners about a couple of things. We do. We, uh, we want to remind them that we have a Must Read Alaska app. If you have an iPhone or an Android phone, just go into that uh, iTunes store or Google Play store and type in Must Read Alaska. It's a free app. We worked on it, put a lot of hard uh, uh, blood, sweat, and tears into it. If you like that app, if you download it, you have a good time, please leave us a review. It helps us out. Uh, we do have a, uh, a podcast, a Must Read Alaska show you're listening to right now. And you can download that on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Amazon, you name it, where it can be found. If you think you can find a uh, podcast, we're probably there. And, you know, we're on MeWe, hey, we're on Parlor, And we're also on YouTube with our podcast now too, right? We're, we're posting it up on, on YouTube. And John's got the podcast uh, that he anchors all by himself on Wednesday. So people can get, catch it twice a week. Yep. Scott's got the uh, Wednesday podcast. It's He's Scott. on there solo. Sometimes he has some guests, but it's uh, very spicy. So tune in and listen to uh, Scott. He will, uh, he'll keep your uh, days going and he'll put a, a smile on your face with his, uh, part, with his take on what's happening in Alaska. So Very good. Well, thank you, John Quick. And thank you, Scott Levesque. I love working with you guys. If you're a supporter of Must Read Alaska out there, thank you so much for listening. And your, your support is really making this possible for us to stand up for what's right in Alaska, report the conservative side of the news, don't forget about the donate button there on the right side. And that allows us to stay strong, thoughtful, independent, all the good things against the blue wave of the liberal media out there, the activist media. Until next week, we're signing off from somewhere in Alaska. See you Wednesday, right here on the Alaska Show.